football season, baby. And you know what that means? It means we're going for two with our sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You heard us talk about it for years, and now you need to know that using code DNVR gets you 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Go tame that Wildcat offense using the best tools for the job at Manscaped using code DNVR for free shipping and more importantly, 20% off. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD will improve the quality of your morning because it's rich in CBD and CBG. And we'll have you feeling as good as I've been because their CBD infused coffee helps with chronic headaches, joint pains, all kinds of things, gives you zero coffee jitters. And the best part is that Strava can deliver it to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, whatever you need. And now you can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25. I am your host, Patrick Lyons. And on today's podcast, we've got a very special guest, Jeff Dooley, the voice of the Hartford Yard Goats, giving you all the inside scoops on the prospects on their way to Coors Field. They're only two steps away. And for some, they've already made it to Albuquerque. And in the case of Mr. Ryan Feltner, well, he was already in Hartford before he made his debut with the Rockies in September. So he's got a lot of inside scoops about that and why Hartford, frankly, has one of the best ballparks in all of the minor leagues, not even just the Northeast League in AA, but in all of the minor leagues. On Sunday, Ryan McMahon did not win his first ever Gold Glove Award at third base, despite the fact that a lot of fielding metrics did suggest that he was much better at third base, despite the fact that he didn't play the entire season there at third base. He did enough in that time to be better than the other candidates, of course, Manny Machado and the eventual winner, Nolan Arenado. Arenado wins his ninth straight, which means it's the most consecutive to ever start a career for an infielder. He has that record now, and of course, he's behind only Ichiro Suzuki, who won a gold glove in his first 10 years. Of course, he's an outfielder, played right field, and well, frankly, had an entire career before he came to the States. So you got to give it to Arenado for immediately jumping out the box and doing something I didn't know that we would ever really see anyone do to this level defensively. He's now trails only Brooks Robinson with 16. Mike Schmidt, who has 10, imagine next year he's going to go ahead and tie Mike Schmidt because he now has nine for his career. And look, the Gold Glove is a bit of a reputation award. We saw Rafael Palmeiro, I've, I've said it many times, he won a Gold Glove at first base when he was predominantly a designated hitter. Now, I think the voting has gone a lot better, but you really have to, to beat the man to be the man, as it were. You got to beat the champ. And while, again, these defensive metrics do suggest that McMahon did have a better year, was it enough to really unseat a guy like Arenado? I'm not sure. It, again, it doesn't surprise me. It is disappointing, again, for how great McMahon was this year. I don't think he's you know, terribly disappointed. I think he understands this is just kind of the way things go, for better or for worse, until there is a better system than just managers and up to six coaches 
voting on the Gold Glove Award. I know he's going to go back and say, wow, I was really close this year. Guess what? Now I want to go ahead and make it a slam dunk because it may need to be at this point. It may need to be a slam dunk for Arenado in order to win this award in 2022. And that will be one of those stories that we keep an eye on when they go to spring training and, and see how he's worked on those skills. Maybe he's able to convert a lot more of those barehanded plays. He did make a few in 2021. He was able to do that, but maybe he's able to kind of out Arenado, Arenado, as it were, next year. That'll be a cool story. Cardinals end up winning five gold gloves. Unbelievable. Goldschmidt at first base, Tommy Edmond at second, Arenado in left field, Tyler O'Neill in center, Harrison Bader. Unbelievable. The other piece of news that did break on Sunday was Trevor Story did get a qualifying offer, which we were fully expecting that was going to happen. We fully expect him to turn down the qualifying offer of $18.4 million, something that is a composite of the top 125 salaries in baseball. That's the average salary. It actually went down half a million dollars since last year. You can actually go back to the October 22nd episode of this very podcast where I detail the history of the qualifying offer and the likelihood of a player like Story coming back. Sure, not a lot have accepted the qualifying offer, but some have rejected the qualifying offer only to turn around and re-sign with that same team. Does that happen in this instance? Probably not, but again, October 22nd, check out that episode. Now, the other piece of news that was the shocking part, not Story, but it was John Gray did not get a qualifying offer. I understand why not. But boy, doesn't look great right now because as it stands, if John Gray goes and signs with somebody else, it means that the Rockies will have gotten nothing for him when they could have had an opportunity to get something for him. And that's that's quite disappointing. Now, we do know that the Rockies did take John Gray off the trade market in the summer at the trade deadline, which was quite confounding to most of Major League Baseball and the other 29 clubs. But the idea was it does give Colorado an exclusive window to negotiate a deal with John Gray, which they wanted to do, and and they still want to do, and something that John Gray has expressed interest in. But they would have had to wait for free agency to open up, to have a chance to talk with him and work with him. And by that point, who knows who's to say that John Gray's team that they had dealt him to, if he wasn't more enamored with them and said, Hey, you know, I kind of want to stay put. So I think you understand that to a degree, but here we are now. And they waited to the last minute. They waited to September to offer him something. It was for all intents and purposes, what was reported by the athletic, somewhat of a low ball offer fair. But when you consider the fact that there were, offering and and had signed Marquez and Senzatella to similar deals, even before they were free agents, you think, well, okay, you, you almost don't value me as much as you do those two guys slap in the face. Eh, maybe not, but look, I'm a free agent. I know what I'm worth. There's going to be someone out there that values me. It's something we've been stating for several years now that, you know, John Gray has a lot of value and Coors Field may be hiding some of that value, which is, True for all players, I think, when you play at altitude and at Coors Field. So he'll go out into the free agency market and still doesn't mean there can't be a, a deal between the Rockies and the Gray Wolf. 
but it does look like there may be greener pastures ahead of him. And, and if the Rockies are really serious about bringing him back, they may need to spend more money on him than they would like. Now, granted, they were already essentially offering him 13 to $14 million in the reported offer. So what's a couple more million dollars? What's an extra $4 million, especially since it's only one year? I don't know. Um, it does seem as if they were willing to spend $14 million on him this year and still go out and grab that power bat. Then what's, what's a couple more, what's a couple more million to keep him around for at least one more year. And then at that point, if the wheels fall off this bad boy, you can go ahead and trade him in 2022. So this would mean that the Rockies do have a little bit more money to spend if they are not able to strike a deal with John Gray, who's now a free agent. They still want to go after a power bat. I don't know if that means they'll go ahead and, and take that money they were going to give to Gray and, and put it all towards the power bat. Does it give them two? Again, these players that are at the top of the, the free agent list, let's face it, four of them are shortstops. And so that doesn't leave a lot more room for the other players, which we'll be previewing this offseason. I think this week we'll do one on, on some of those outfielders, of course, Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. Uh, who did opt out of his contract as expected. Those are going to be the two big players. But again, that's going to be a hundred plus million dollar deal. I'm sure those agents are looking for closer to $200 and may then be out of the Rockies price range. I think they will be out of the Rockies price range, but that still doesn't mean that maybe world series MVP Jorge Soler doesn't get a nice deal and come to Colorado. There are chances for that. Also do want to talk about Buster Posey's, retirement. Again, that news, we talked about it as it was breaking on Wednesday. It was first announced that there was going to be that press conference. Now, Buster Posey to me is not a guy that seems to be a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he, I think he might be. I think he may actually get that. He may get those 75 to 80%, whatever it is. I don't know that it's going to be 95 plus percent because a lot of voters do look at compilers and those players that stick around long enough to hit a lot of those typical milestones and with you know only about 1500 hits that's pretty low when you look at most hall of famers that are there but that's really a conversation for another day it doesn't mean i don't think that he should be in just not a slam dunk 95 percent first ballot hall of famer inner ring type player and one of the reasons why he might not be an inner ring hall of famer is simply because he's had injuries over his career. He sat out the 2020 season to be with his family, but he does go out on a high note as the best catcher in baseball here in 2021, going out on top, similar to what David Ortiz was able to do in his final season. So it's where we need to sit. basically wanted to make sure he could lift his arm over his head in his old age of late 30s and 40s. And so Buster Posey, the same, that we have a rule in place because of him, because of the fact that he was taken out at home plate by a player from the Marlins that you've never heard of. And that's okay. It's okay if you've never heard of Scott Cousins, because that's the whole point is catchers should be protected, whether they are a superstar like Gerald Dempsey Posey, or if they're a backup catcher for the Tampa Bay Rays, it doesn't matter. They should be protected. We should be sensitive towards concussions and the health of the brain, things of that nature. 
And so that is something that, you know, really derailed his career for a while, did win three World Series. And so he still does have a really strong resume. But there's a correlation with the Rockies, of course, with Ian Desmond. Say what you will about his contract and the fact that he may have underperformed on the field. But as a human being, he did what was best for himself, his family, and his community and stepping aside. And with Buster Posey now doing it, and we're seeing some players in the NFL do it. It's an interesting time to be a professional athlete. And it becomes less shocking now when players make a decision that's not based on finances, because we know those players can go out and earn more money, especially when they're still in the prime of their career, or even if they're at the tail end of their career, they can still go on, sign a couple smaller contracts and earn 10 to $20 million, whatever it may be. But the bottom line is it's not about the money. It's about the family. It's about their health. It's about living a long life. These players, man, they, they really go through it. And I, I can't not think of Connor Joe and how he was trying to come back for the final week or so of the season and was pushing it physically. And yet it, his body just wasn't doing what it needed to do. And me as a, as a non-professional athlete, I know how frustrating it can be when your body isn't able to do what you want it to do. And even when it is healthy, you're worried about pushing it too far and re-aggravating an injury. You don't want to re-aggravate that. You don't want to go through the same thing. So you baby a little bit. And so you, you pull back, but these athletes cannot pull back. They need to push forward constantly. And so at a certain point, you, you get to a spot where you say, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? And for Buster Posey, it was not. This week, we are down in Arizona covering the Arizona Fall League. Got to see a game on Saturday night. Got to see Michael Toglia get a base hit. It's Tolia, by the way, not Toglia. There's a G in there, but we don't pronounce it. It's actually Tolia. We're going to work on that, aren't we, gang? Looking a little bit like Jim Tomei especially from the left-hand side. He's got the high socks. He's got the bat. He kind of points out at the pitcher a little bit at the beginning of his stance before the pitcher goes into the windup. And so there are those similarities. First baseman too, right? So I like those comps with Jim Tomey. We'll be talking with him, catching up with him at some point this week. Got to see Jake Bird pitch in that game as well. Looks like a a less lanky right-handed version of Chris Sale. Strange, right? Not as three quarters, does, doesn't have that sidearm quite as much, but it's got the whip, heavy fastball. Looking forward to talking with him. He had a scoreless inning of work on Saturday night in Glendale. We'll be taking in five of the Rafters games down here all around the Phoenix metro area, in addition to the Fall Stars game where the best and brightest in the Arizona Fall League, MLB's finishing school, will be on display right in right in our backyard. Yeah, I can say that. Salt River Fields. That's where the game is being held at, the crown jewel of the Cactus League and of spring training in Arizona. So you got to love that. And we've got to love our members of the DNVR.com. You can sign up now for just 50 cents for your first month. You can get an annual membership and get a free shirt from DNVR Locker. But thank you to everyone who's been coming out to these watch parties for the Avs, Nuggets, Broncos, even the Rams and Buffs. We had a really good turnout there at the DNVR bar. We've got happy hour from 3 to 6 p.m., drink specials, appetizer discounts. 
We also have brunch on Sundays, which is fantastic. Mark your calendar now. You got a couple days notice. Come on out for brunch. Watch NFL Ticket. And we got a tailgate, of course, coming up this Sunday as well for the Eagles game. $20 for members. You can find out more information, especially if you're following all the accounts on Twitter at DNVR underscore sports. At DNVR underscore Broncos, of course, since they're hosting the tailgate along with Breck Brewery, along with Sexy Pizza. And as I said, Breck Brewery, hey, it's the official beer of DNVR. And they're also the official seltzer. It's good company, hard seltzer. We've got it right at the bar on the corner of Colfax in York. We keep it in stock somehow. You can keep yours in stock with a 15-can sampler, the Tap Pack, named after number 15. Ryan Altapi, you can get it at King Supers, you can get it at Costco, anywhere. And I should also mention that Breck is donating profits of Breck Brewery, of the Hard Seltzer, Good Company Hard Seltzer, all of that. They're donating profits to the National Parks Conservation Association. Easy for me to say. National Parks Conservation Association this year to help prevent forest fires. Gotta love that money staying in our state. That's Breckenridge Brewery's Good Company Hard Seltzer, an easy choice for a great company. Here's an easy choice, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They've got an offer every football fan should jump in on. New customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score in any game. And when they do, you can win $100 in free bets when they score. It's that easy. It's that easy. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR, and new customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score, and if they do, you win $100 in free bets. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week is a nice little long shot to keep your eye on because this futures, World Series futures, is bound to go down. You're going to win less and less. That's plus 4,500 on the Detroit Tigers. Yes, it's... It's super early to be thinking about next year's World Series, but guess what? The odds are up. They are available for you. We're going to have to talk about that this week at some point because there are definitely some good buys and good availabilities out there. But the Detroit Tigers, they already started with Tucker Barnhart. It seems as if manager A.J. Hinch is going to have a nice reunion with shortstop Carlos Correa. They've got money to spend. They've got a very young Starting rotation, and yes, 2022 may be too soon, really, for the Tigers to win a World Series. It might be more likely 23, 24, maybe even 25, but their window is about to open with this offseason, and you know what? Get in now, get in early. My DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week, Detroit Tigers to win the World Series next year, plus 4,500. Wow. Well, here we've got a fantastic interview with Jeff Dooley, the voice of the Hartford Yard Goats. Had a really good time talking with Jeff, catching up with him. Hadn't seen him in a couple years since I went out there to see Sam Hilliard, Brendan Rogers, Jonathan Daza, and manager Warren Schaefer, who's now at AAA. And so we talk about all those uh, great players that have come up through the years with the Yard Goats. And of course, Elahiris Montero, 
the guy who's really starting to climb up the rankings for the Rockies was fantastic, really good. Talked about his defense over at third base, as well as Willie McIver's defense and Michael Tolia's defense. So please enjoy this interview with Yard Goods' Jeff Dooley. Joining me today is the voice of the Hartford Yard Goats, Rockies AA affiliate, Jeff Dooley. Jeff, how's it going? It's going well, Patrick. Uh, thank you for having me today. Great to, to be in the offseason, but careful what we wish for because two years ago, that offseason was very long. There were no games in 2020. And so I imagine the 2021 season was just pure joy and excitement to have baseball back in Hartford. Boy, isn't that the truth, Patrick? You're absolutely right. We're just so thrilled to to hear the crack of the bat and the, you know, pound to the mid out there, and obviously to to have uh, to celebrate with our fans. And after just seven games of being fifty percent, we were full capacity at Dunkin' Donuts Park, and it was it was just wonderful to see the smiles on the faces. And there's so much joy, I think, uh, throughout the country with baseball, but. You know, particularly what we get to see here in Hartford as fans get to come in and enjoy a, a fun time at Dunkin' Donuts Park. And to see, again, those people rewarded with that was just outstanding. It was a long time between games. It, it was a season, but it seemed like five years, If, if you, I think, if you talk to a lot of people. But uh, it was great to play and get through it without uh, zero issues, which is wonderful. Yeah, I know Yargoats fans are are very hardcore. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts Park, one of the best facilities. In fact, Matt Barnes, you know, uh, big leaguer we saw there in the in the postseason with the Red Sox, even said that when he came through on a rehab start about how nice the stadium is there in, in, in Dunkin' Donuts Park. For anyone that hasn't been, how can you sell them even further on the buzz that already exists about DDP? Well, as we've moved in the first year, and, and it's a line that I'll steal because I think it's really true that Duncan Arts Park is more of a, a miniature major league ballpark as opposed to a big, big minor league ballpark. And I, I think a lot is true, Patrick, with that saying. Uh, you look, it's a 360 ballpark, so you have the ability to walk around the entire concourse, which is, you know, you can go catch a home run, you can catch a foul ball. Uh, you've got two levels of seating. There's a YG club, uh, which sits high above home plate. It's kind of a a luxury um, entertainment area, if you will, uh, with some seating outside of that. And you've got the luxury suites at the top. One of the big brands in Hartford is Bears Barbecue, and the Bears Barbecue section is out in left field. So there is really something for everyone. Obviously, we love the baseball fans, but even folks that don't love the baseball, they come in to get a free hat or watch a fireworks show or we're really enriched, you know, ingrained with the community. So it's really important that we continue to kind of stay that course. And I suggest if you are in the Northeast or visiting that um, you visit Dunkin' Donuts Park if you get a chance to, because it's definitely worth the price of admission. And it's, you know, located downtown. So if you've got a hotel nearby, of course, you can just walk to the stadium because it's just very well located, I think. And it's, and you know, you know where the yard goats are going to play because, Jeff, I, I, for anyone that that might not know, back in 2016, the Yard Goats, they were there. They played games, but it wasn't at Dunkin' Donuts Park. How strange was that year? What, what do you remember five years ago about being somewhat displaced and, and not having a home to, to play ball games in in the inaugural Yard Goats season? Yeah, boy, that seems like forever back, and it was just a couple of years ago. And I look back at that team, and that, that to me was – one of the more disappointing things because a lot of those guys surfaced in, in Colorado. Uh, 
Kyle Freeland was on that team. Erman Marquez was the pitcher of the year in the league that year. Uh, David Dahl was on that club. Ryan McMahon was on that club. The list goes on and on. Uh, but it was strange. Uh, heading into the season, we knew we wouldn't be ready for opening day, but all indications are we would be a go, if not late May, early June. And um, we just hit roadblock after roadblock, and it just wasn't able to get finished. Um, they actually halted construction and uh, realized at that point that we would be on the road for the remainder of 2016. And I always kind of put it on the players because what they went through uh, to to travel the entire season, it was just amazing. I mean, I'm always blown away by what, what these prospects and, and players do during the course of the season. But to do it when you really don't have a home was, was just to me it showed how gritty that the group was and how they wanted to get after it and to stay motivated, Patrick, because some games they were playing with zero folks in the stands. I remember a couple of ballparks. Uh, we didn't know we were going to the last second. They basically had the doors locked. It was just family only. And, and obviously the, the teams would play and we'd want to get the guys uh, on the field for development purposes, but there were a lot of small crowds that year. So, uh, I, again, hats off to the team for doing that. But it was a really strange season. I think no, going into it, if we thought, oh, boy, we're going to be on the on the road the whole season, it would have been worse. But thinking originally that we're going to be in a month, maybe at the worst two months heading into the season, um, you know, I, I think in the back of our minds, okay, we're going to get in the ballpark, and then it just never happened. So it was almost like something to look forward to, something to look forward to, and then boom it kind of hits you that we're going to be on the road for the year. But uh, it was interesting. But I look back on that team, and, and that, that was a great yard goat team that a lot of the Hartford fans didn't, unfortunately, get a chance to see play that year. That's interesting how you, how you bring that up as far as grit because, as you said, it was almost, almost a one-day-at-a-time thing where, hey, maybe next week we'll get some good news and we'll get to move in. And slowly but surely, uh, all all 100-plus games of the season – you know, it had had already wrapped up at that point. And were you guys playing those games? I think that was in uh, Norwich, right? We played a couple of games in Norwich. We did. We played some games in a neutral site up in New Hampshire. We played some games in Harrisburg. Uh, lots of times what they would do, Patrick, was if we were playing that opponent, we would actually play it at uh, the opposing site. So if we were in Trenton, New Jersey, for instance, we would play the home team, but we would play the Thunder in New Jersey. Um, you know, we would play the Akron Rubber Ducks in Ohio and the Yard Goats would be the home team. Uh, the same thing happened in Richmond. Uh, our first game down at the Diamond actually um, was uh, the Yard Goats were a home game and the game was played, um, you know, several hundred miles away down in Richmond, Virginia. So it was uh, interesting how it all panned out. But as I we like to say here in Hartford, all good things are worth waiting for. And, and if you see the gem that we have here, it was definitely would have been great to be in in 2016, but it made it all the more special when we when we actually opened the doors in 2017. And for anyone that doesn't know, in the Eastern League, the teams are are pretty compact, right? Like it, it's not too far of a drive. If if this was the Pacific Coast League, I I can't even imagine how anyone would have been able to get through a, a season like that traveling on the road. But you know, you've, you've got a couple hour bus rides, so it's, it's not too bad. I mean, it's similar to what the guys got to experience this year after not having a 2020. Yeah. There's a couple of trips that can get long. Um, Hartford to Richmond is about nine and a half and it's, it's just about the same, maybe a little bit shorter from Hartford to Akron, Ohio, but 
You're right. We are really centrally located, so we do have that benefit. Um, those that don't know that the Double A Northeast League it, it stretches from Portland, Maine, which is the Red Sox affiliate. That's the furthest north. Further south is Richmond, Virginia, and then it stretches out west to uh, Akron, Ohio, and Erie, Pennsylvania is kind of looped in that uh, road trip as well. So um, there is some travel, but for those longer days, we actually leave on our off days. So you're on a bus ride for, uh, you know, eight and a half, nine hours, which uh, you, know, you kind of catch up when you work or you sleep or whatever. But, um, you know, most of the, the travel, we are very fortunate that the trips are, are not only day trips, but just as you mentioned, a few hours away and we can leave morning of when we have a game in the in the city that night. So the players and the staff get a chance to kind of stay in their own beds the night before, where a lot of teams will jump on the road immediately after after a home game. I want to get into a potential all-time Hartford Yard Goats team because I imagine you've kind of jotted down the the all-time greats. But uh, you know, before that, a guy that that never really suited up for the Yard Goats was was Trevor Story. You know, uh, wrapping up you know a fantastic career. We'll see if he comes back. But uh, I believe you got to see him uh, in New Britain with the Rock Cats and and share with some of our listeners some of the you know great memories of the Rock Cats, either when they were an affiliate for Colorado or even you know, with the, the twins for a period of time. Yeah, you're right. We did not have him in Hartford. He would have been nice in this ballpark for sure. But uh, our fans certainly got a chance to see him up the road in New Britain. He was a rock cat. Um, it was really part of that. It was special group because it was the last ever rock hats team back in 2015. But, you know, he checked a lot of the boxes, Patrick. He hit for power. He hit for an average. He was really good on the left side of the diamond. Really impressive shortstop. I thought one of the best players in the league, he was a league all-star. So you could see it back then. People ask me all the time, who are the guys that you thought made it and think would make it and didn't and vice versa. And he was one, I think that was pretty easy. Came with a lot of hype. And I will say that he lived up to that hype. And there's not a better kid in the world. We actually went up, a bunch of our staff went up to see the Rockies play the Red Sox. And it must have been Trevor's first year in the big league. So it must have, it was probably 2016. Um, it was 16 or 17, but I got a chance to see him and spend some time with him before he made his first start against the Red Sox. And he was kind of like, pinch me now. This is unbelievable. I'm playing shortstop at Fenway Park in Boston. And, you know, obviously it knew the history of the ballpark and was still kind of in the early stage of his major league career. And, you know, not a look at see him and, you know, see what he's done in Colorado and how special he is. Uh, with the fans up there and he's become one of the best shortstop in the game it is really cool to know that you know just five six years ago he was he was with us a minor league guy and and and, you know nobody outside of this region really knew who he was yeah i think that's somewhat of a common theme for some yargoats players is is maybe being underappreciated because we know story wasn't you know really considered a top prospect maybe a top 10 in the organization but didn't make the top 100 lists and i think because of you know double a northeast league uh, being maybe more of a of a pitcher's league, I, I think you, maybe you would agree with that. But there aren't uh, really flashy numbers for the, a lot of the offensive players where hitting you know 30 home runs and, and having 100 RBI is hard to come by besides the fact you're getting promoted. So I think uh, we'll, we'll get into that here in a second. It, it's easy to maybe look at some Yard Goats players at the time and overlook really how talented they can be. 
Yeah, and the evaluators do it. Listen, I, I, I watch a lot of baseball games and I'm a baseball fan, so I think I know what I'm talking about. But it's nothing when you talk to the major league evaluators, the scouts. That's why I love to pick their brains because they've forgotten much more than I'll ever know about the game. They just look at a guy and they can see. They can break down a swing. They can break down pitching mechanics and just things that a normal eye not going to see. I mean, I look at a guy and it's easy to look at the batting averages or watch the ball fly 450 feet or, you know, leave the ballpark at 105 miles an hour or any stat that you want to put on it. But these evaluators, that's why, you know, the best in the world that they make a lot of money because they're evaluating talent. And one of the things that they've told me, Patrick, is when they come to town, they're not looking at a guy and how he is at the double A level. It's all about projection for the majors. They would love them to have great seasons in Hartford to help the yard goats win. But at the end of the day, they want to make sure that this guy is suitable for the Rockies at some point. That's what it's all about, about development and helping Colorado improve. And does this guy have a chance in a couple of years to play and help the Rockies win a championship? And and that's what it comes down to. So it's fun to look at the stats and the numbers all at double A. But when those big time evaluators come in, it's all about pressure situations, throwing pitches in double A is completely different than pitching at the major league level. Yeah, you're right. The, the talent levels are, are so much of a difference. And, and what a lot of players you know, have mentioned too, is that jump from high A to double A is probably the biggest. Um, have you gotten that kind of feedback from players and, you know, what are some of the difficulties they have making that leap? Again, it's only one level. That's, that's what happens throughout your careers. You're going up one level, but what is it you think that, that, makes it such a difference to go from high A to double A. Yeah, that's a great point, and it's certainly true. I've asked both pitchers and hitters, and they tell me the jump from double A to triple A isn't that much. Obviously, when you get to the major leagues, it's a different beast because that's the best players in the world, obviously, at that level. But from A ball to double A is a huge jump because most of the guys that are in A ball, they'll throw hard. You'll get guys that'll throw most of the time, you know, they'll get guys that are in the mid nineties, but they're, they'll throw three, two fastballs where you get up to double a triple a they're throwing three, two off speed pitches. You see change ups, you'll see curveballs. Guys can basically locate every pitch. And when I talk about pitchers, they say, honestly, even at high a, there's maybe four guys that can beat you in the lineup. You start getting up to double a triple a, and now you've got six, seven guys. There's not many outs in that lineup. And then once you get up to the major leagues, I mean, that nine-hole hitter can burn you as much as the leadoff hitter. And, you know, maybe they don't hit the ball 700 feet, but still it only has to go 350 feet for it to be a home run. So um, every level is different, but uh, you're absolutely right, Patrick, that that A ball, that high A level to double A is the most challenging for, for both hitters and pitchers at, at, when they're uh, progressing at the minor league level. Here at DNVR, we love saving you money and we love companies trying to save the world. We've got some new information about Ball and it's about their manufacturing plant in Golden. They're looking for production technicians. And you can read the full description and apply at jobs.ball.com by simply searching for Golden. Now this position is on the front line of the aluminum beverage can production process at Ball's plant in Golden. And they offer competitive $27.39 per hour. You also got the potential for increase 
at six, 12 and 18 months on the job, exposure to a lot of other manufacturing positions. There's so many benefits that can come with it. 401k for retirement, comprehensive insurance, active the day of hire. Text GOLDEN to 77222 and you'll get linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search GOLDEN. We brought you damn good beer and now we're delivering to you damn good beef from Hassle Cattle Company. And they're gonna deliver some damn good beef to you, especially if you have an order over $200, that shipping will be free. But this beef is so good that you can now get it at the DNVR bar. That's right, Wagyu beef burgers with all the toppings and trimmings that you want for a watch party or a random Tuesday evening. Check it out. You can get yours at home at H-A-S-S-E-L-L-CattleCompany.com. You get 10% off your entire purchase with code DNVR10 at checkout, that's DNVR10 at hasslecattlecompany.com. Save 10% every time. And every time football season rolls around, you know what that means. It means you're gonna go for two. That's why we've got manscaped.com. Blitzing through the hairs has never been easier. And it's time you join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. We've talked about it, you've heard about it. You can get 20% off now with code DNVR. That's right, you get the performance package with the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. It's ready to help take the defense to another level. Weed Whacker ear, nose, and hair trimmer, liquid formulations, as well as two free gifts. Look, go tame that Wildcat offense using the best tools for the job at manscaped.com, using code DNVR for free shipping, and more importantly, that sweet 20% off. The guy I think that made the, the biggest jump up to double A this year for the Yard Goats was uh, El Harris Montero, who I think he had 22 home runs, you know, led, led the Yard Goats. And so was really fantastic and kind of began to really start to show those flashes he did as Midwest League MVP a few years ago. He's a good one. He really is. He's been very impressive. Got off to a little bit of a slow start in when the season began in May, but boy, once he figured it out and got locked in, and I tell you what, he's a really good worker. He loves to get out after it. He's in early. He works hard. Uh, he's someone that is coachable, and I think someone that really has a, a really good shot to have a career with the Rockies. I, I was very impressed with what I saw, and I think if you ask some of the evaluators and some of the scouts that watched him play, they feel that he was one of the better players I'm not saying the best player in the league, but certainly one of the top five, 10 players uh, at the double A ranks this year, which is very impressive. And looking at his numbers, when he went up to triple A Albuquerque, he really didn't miss a beat. You know, we won a couple of games with home runs with that team. He did the same when he was here in Hartford. Uh, I, I like him both on both sides of the ball. Obviously his, his bad is, is probably his meal ticket, but he's worked hard defensively and, and he's got a good arm. And I think he plays a, a pretty good third base. So, I think he's got a bright future. And, I, and and you look at his age too, Patrick, and he's just a young kid. I think he's 21, 22 years old. So he's a guy that really could uh, do some damage when he gets up to Coors Field in Denver. Yeah, that's that's exciting to hear. And there's there's a few other exciting players that, again, players can can easily get overlooked in a minor league system when you've got new draft picks coming in all the time. You've got players, you know, in Albuquerque, just one step away. And so... Uh, I, I think, you know, Coco Montez is one of those players that deserves some acknowledgement, Taylor Snyder, Jamison Hanna, and then a guy that, you know, 
you really don't hear too much about Sean Bouchard, who uh, I think had a, also a nice season with you guys. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All those guys you mentioned really had nice seasons. Uh, Snyder, the guy that, you know, could hit the heck out of the ball, long home runs. I mean, just a little kick with that stance. Boy, when he unloaded out a pitch, it went very, very far. Um, you know, we mentioned Coco Montes, a kid that uh, had a really nice college career down in Florida. And um, he uh, came up for the first time and he really handled it since day one. I was really impressed with Coco's season. I, I think I think both certainly Montez and uh, and Montero have a chance to play in the big leagues without a doubt. And Bouchard, I mean, you look at overall at his numbers and he really had a solid season. Uh, his first at double A ended up hitting 266 with 30 doubles, 14 homers, and 46 runs batted in. Very impressive numbers, and he was a guy that was very steady throughout the course of the season as well. So um, I like all those guys. I think Casey Golden is another guy. I, I like to see him, Patrick, a little bit more. He unfortunately dealt with a, a kind of a nagging injury throughout the course of the season. He, he started late and then tried to come back and kind of re-aggravated it and um, – when he's out there and healthy, though, he's really good. So my guess is that we see him to start next year, but I think he's another guy that that could be in that mix as well. I mean, I you know, you, you, you read all the different things about some of the Rockies prospects, and, and they do have some guys that are coming for sure. I love that you mentioned Golden because he's been one of my sleepers that I've liked for a while with a lot of power. And so, yeah, you know, with, with a healthier season, uh, he could make uh, some more strides next year. But with Montez – you know, I, I love the fact that he doesn't wear batting gloves. And again, if, anyone, if you've ever played baseball in the Northeast, especially in April, it is still quite chilly out there. So the fact he's able to to get through it and 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 be as productive as he is doing that, I think that makes him stand out in my book. Where where would you say his best position is, uh, at, at least this this past year? Oh boy, you know he he moves around. He's very versatile, which I think is you know the important thing. But I mean, he can he can play shortstop. You know, they they played him. He's taken reps at second base. I think that's one of the things that Rockies do so well because, as you know, when you get to the big leagues, for the most part, the for the first time, it's as a fill-in guy. So you need to you need to go wherever there's an opening. So I think it's important for the guys to get their reps. The, the worst thing in the world, Patrick, right is hey, go play right field, and you've never played right field before because someone goes down with an injury. So I think the Rockies' brain trust, and, and this goes all the way down to the minor league level, they let their managers know and their coaches know that let's get these guys reps all over the place. And you see that. Kristen Orfia did a tremendous job as the Yard Goats manager last year making sure that these guys got reps. But uh, I do like him uh, on that left side of the diamond. I think he plays well. He's got a good arm. He, he has excellent range. Uh, he can do it with the bat. He is kind of a throwback, as you mentioned, without the batting gloves. His favorite player growing up was Vlad, Ju not Vlad Jr., but Vlad Sr., the Hall of Famer. So uh, kind of cool, and, and Vlad Sr. didn't wear batting gloves. So there's all this hype now about Vlad Jr. being one of the best, but it was actually his dad who Coco liked as a kid, and that's why he did away with the batting gloves. And it's been years since he's worn them, and I don't think we'll ever see him now because of the success he's had going gloveless. So it is kind of cool. The other neat story about Coco was uh, when he was with the Yard Goats uh, for 2021, his great-grandfather actually, when they uh, came from Cuba, actually lived in Hartford for a time and taught at one of the schools uh, just outside of the city. So his grandparents came back and they saw Coco play, and it was just kind of cool because they had grown up in this town when they were young, young kids. So 
kind of a, a cool family thing for Coco Montez. And he was just so excited to be part of the community in Hartford. So many wonderful stories all around the game of baseball. You, you can't get enough of that. Another, you know, wonderful story uh, in Hartford for at least half the year, Frank Duncan. Now he's a guy that, you know, we might not see on the Rockies. Maybe he'll have a, a Tim Melville type rise, you know, for Colorado and you have some spot starts here and there, but you know, an older guy, I think he's 29 years old, but was fantastic in Hartford and then still ended up being incredibly effective and, and, having a, a good second half with the isotopes in AAA. Yeah, he was impressive. I mean, he was just outstanding, you know, in his eight starts. And he was pitching independent baseball, I think, the year before, right, in, in Kansas City. And um, obviously wanted to pitch. And they said, we have an opening at AA. And are you interested? And yeah, absolutely. And it was really good because I think early on, a lot of the kids, they pushed, they probably weren't ready for the double-A ranks, but due to the pandemic, I think they were just kind of holding their breath on a few of the guys and hoping that they would they would uh, swim, not sink. And I, when you look at at Duncan, he's a guy that not only did it, I mean, a couple of years ago, he was an all-star at the triple-A level in Indianapolis with the Pirates. So he's a guy that he wasn't going to get phased by the big crowds in Hartford or, um, you know, uh, the, the great competition that he faced at the double-A level. He just went out and he just got it done. The other guy that was, you know, impressive, too, was Tate Ciano, who went up to AAA. Ciano put up numbers that I don't know that I'd seen before. I mean, he had a really good stretch. We didn't even give up a run. He went 17 and two-third innings. He pitched 15 games out of the bullpen and only gave up two runs. I mean, that those numbers, I mean, they're like video game numbers. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, with a walk and 25 strikeouts. So throw that in there as well. Um, and, again, you, you – is CNO a big prospect? Another Pirates guy? No. Uh, Duncan as well. But if these guys can get batters out, I think you got to give them a look. You do. You know what, Jeff? People need to listen to this episode just to learn how to pronounce his name, because I don't know. I don't know that if anyone knew that outside of the Hartford area. Now people know CNO is how C-N-O. you pronounce yeah, C- his name. CNO. And I cheated. I mean, the only reason I know is he played in Altoona a couple of years before. There you go. You're, you're a vet. If we're talking about starting pitching, we got to talk about a guy uh, in the Arizona Fall League right now, Matt Dennis, who is kind of – he's also, you know, a little bit older, but again, you know, has, has made the steps along the way and was uh, really successful in AA. He had a great season in 2019, uh, really a solid campaign once he came up from, uh, from A-ball, and then he struggled, really struggled. Struggle will be a nice word to start the season. And and Matt will be the first to admit it. I mean, it was it was a really rocky beginning. In fact, they moved him out of the rotation, put him into the bullpen, and uh, tried to change some things mechanical. And um, he came back, and what a second half. He really pitched well. I, I think he was one of the, certainly one of the best, if not the best pitcher, the, the second half of the season. It's certainly August, September. Um, so I, and now you look and the Rockies sending him out to the Arizona fall league. It, it, I just think it gives a great sense of confidence that, listen, we're not giving up on you. Um, and I, every time he took the mound, I said, listen, you, this is baseball. It's all about the numbers and we can't forget what happened in May, June, and July because the numbers weren't great. And overall the earned run average isn't great, but listen, it's not how you start. It's how you finish and how you finishing down the stretch. And he was pitching with a, just a great deal of confidence, getting guys out, and there's not a better kid out there. So I'm just thrilled and tickled to death for him that he's uh, 
you know, that he's out in the Arizona Fall League and, and has a chance to compete. And I'm not sure what the future holds, if he'll be a yard goat in, in 2022 or they challenge him, move him up to AAA. But uh, he's really easy to root for because he's such a terrific kid. And you, you guys like that, that had that success back in 2019, he just hoped every every outing that they would pull out of it. And, and he really did and, and finished really fantastic, uh, fantastically to finish the year. Another guy we're rooting for a lot here in, in Colorado is Colorado kid, Regan Todd. You know, if you look at his numbers in double A, I think he was a little bit better uh, in, in Albuquerque, but league average, you know, was, was around there was spent some time as a closer, but as a left-hander who, you know, had a good, uh, you know, approximately five to one strikeout to walk ratio He's another guy to keep an eye on from the Arizona Fall League as well. And he was closing games out towards the end. He uh, he had six saves for the Goats and uh, did a really good job, you know, trying to close things out that that's that uh, towards the end of the season. But you're right. I mean, a lefty that checks a lot of the boxes. You know, he goes after hitters. He attacks the zone. And at the end of the day, when guys are getting sent out to that prestigious Arizona Fall League, that's impressive. So obviously, the the Rockies want to think that they're in his plans anyway. You also got to see in the second half of the season, Willie McIver and Michael Tolia. Those are, again, two guys that are, are high on the the top 10 lists, uh, pretty much all around the game, Tolia in particular. And, and that was one of his goals uh, at the MLB Futures game, saying, hey, I, I want to get to Hartford. He came out and said it, uh, and he did eventually get it done. He did, you know, and he went through that adjustment period that many do struggling, going from high A to double A and, He's got that beautiful swing and, and a switch hitter hits from both sides of the plate. His dad was a big Yankee fan when he was a kid and he liked Mickey Mantle. So you talk about a throwback and obviously Mickey Mantle, the great switch hitter for the Yankees. So he wanted to switch hit, started at his young age and, and he does bring power from both sides of the plate. He hit a couple of balls here at Duncan Donuts Park that still may be going. He's fun to watch just the size and the athleticism and, just a baby. He's a young kid, got to double A at a young age. I think the future is bright. My guess is, um, and I have no indication on who's going to be back, but I would think that he would certainly be a candidate to at least start the season with the yard goats. And then eventually they'd love to get him up to triple A, but things have the tendency to play out once you get into spring training and you, you look at the depth charts and things like that. But I don't think it would hurt totally at all to to begin the season uh, selfishly. So we get a chance to see him play, but we always root for those guys. If they have a chance to get to the next level, eventually to Colorado, we want them to do that as well, but uh, he's got a chance to be a good one for sure. And MacGyver boy, he, I think it was his second or third game in double a, he set a franchise record. He hit three home runs. I think uh, each one was further than the, the previous one, but, uh, and then I think he went like another month and a half without hitting one and then hit another couple, but He's uh, really good behind the plate. I know the catchers like working with him. He's got the confidence. Uh, he comes with that prospect hype, and he really did a nice job working with the pitching staff down the down the uh, the stretch of the season. I like his arm, and he's a guy that uh, he can hit the long ball as well. So he he's certainly he's got a chance, as they like to say. Defensively, what are we? What can fans kind of keep their eye on for with both McIver behind the plate and Tolia at first base? Glove maybe a little bit ahead of uh, of the bat. And, and again, the bats are, are advanced too, but is the glove in defensive work kind of maybe even even better and more exciting? 
Yeah, I think with uh, with MacGyver, yeah, probably. I think his glove is really good in his arm. I mean, he does have the ability to shut down a running game. I liked a lot of the stuff that he did behind the plate, uh, the way that he called the game, worked with the pitching staff, really didn't get phased by any situation. I like the fact that he controls the game. You, that catcher is almost the captain of the defense out there, and obviously working with the pitcher, but you want someone that has the confidence to let everybody know what's going on in a certain situation. I thought he did that extremely well. Um, and I think he's got a chance to, to go up there at some point and, and, you know, do something uh, uh, in the future without a doubt uh, with Tolly, I mean, it's a little bit different. You're a first baseman. Sure. He's got, uh, you know, he's, he's got a really good glove on that, on that right side as well, but he's, I think it'll be his bat. That's going to kind of play him down the road into the lineup because um, you know, I mean, you don't have to be really a gold glover, right. To play first base. All right, final question. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a little bit about the retired numbers at Dunkin' Donuts Park. One of them obviously jumps out as being the the first time we were seeing it anywhere other than Pittsburgh, but Roberto Clemente's number 20, 21 is retired uh, for the Yard Goats. Maybe you could explain to some folks you know, that that connection and, and the importance of Roberto Clemente around the game of baseball in, in the city of Hartford. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, Roberto Clemente fans. You'll look out there and... In, in, in just in Hartford in general and, and see Clemente jerseys, which is really cool. Um, but, uh, you know, with the Puerto Rican population, so um, really enormous in, in the city of Hartford, we thought it was the thing to do, retire his number. And we've had some family members of his come in and, and go out and take pictures by it. So it is, uh, it's really cool to, uh, to have that. And I know he means so much to the people of this area. So we thought it was just a no-brainer to, uh, to to put that up in the rafters. It's hanging at the second deck by the sky bar out in center field. So that's really cool. And, and obviously number 42 with, with Jackie Robinson, where all the major league teams retired his number, as well as, uh, you know, many of the minor league clubs as well. And, and, and how can you not for, uh, you know, obviously everything that he did with his life and, you know, for baseball and, you know, where we are today, you know, we certainly wouldn't be there without him. So those are those are two important ones, I think, that that jump out that it was really important for us and, you know, in our group to recognize to uh, to our fans to put those up and and, uh, you know, have 42 and 21 up in the rafters. Yeah, I, I think you could really be leading the way with with Clemente in particular, since, you know, there is a movement around there to retire number 21 all around baseball is the first Latin American star and, and certainly the first for Puerto Rico. Uh before we go to Jeff, uh, go ahead and plug away everything uh, as far as, you know, Hartford Yard Goats. You guys crush it on, on social media. We know that, but uh, plug away before we, we say goodbye. Yeah, sure. Go Yard Goats uh, is the Twitter and the uh, yardgoatsbaseball.com. If you're in the area and you need ticket information and, you know, you can sign up for newsletters and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, we try to be clever with the social media stuff. It's It's kind of about having fun and connecting with our fans and it, it it's it's uh it's a good way to to keep your name out there during the off season but uh you know we, we love our fans we're tickled to death with the rockies organization i, I say we we not we may not win a million games every year but you come out to a game and you're going to see three or four guys that are going to eventually play in colorado patrick we've got 39 former yard goats this is from 2016 39 now in the big leagues uh, or certainly have reached the big league. So uh, that, that's a lot in the last five years. So hopefully we'll continue to go and we'll continue to see the prospects come up and, and I'll get to go on and talk about them with you. 
Jeff, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans, especially our DNVR members who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. Allie and Lindsay, our sales director, look, they both had their wisdom teeth removed, and they went to Green Mountain Dental Group because of all the great responses we've had from our members and because Green Mountain Dental Group does it the right way. You can now schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do so. Green Mountain Dental Group is only 15 minutes from downtown Denver, so check them out because they're a million miles better than the rest.